The following podcast contains general advice only and does not take into account your individual circumstances. Listeners should speak to an accountant or financial advisor before making any investment decision. What up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Market Pulse podcast coming at you on Sunday, the 30th of August. My name is Dion Gribben. This is episode 26, the best is yet to come edition. And yes, if you read the show notes, you'll probably notice it will be very much all about reporting season again, or at least some of the companies that have been reporting over the last week. If you missed last week's episode, we did chat about some of those companies that have been reporting for your results so far. So those being Treasury, Wine Estate, Domino's, Goodman Group, Sydney Airport, We're going to go full steam ahead this week and dive into a little bit more of the same kind of stuff. Not really going to look at any of the broader macro stuff as reporting season is kind of wrapping up now. So, And there was some really interesting stuff this week worth touching on. So I'm going to bring up some of that uh, in the podcast today. And I mean, I do want to jump in and talk about that. I want to talk about points bets straight away, but... I'm not gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna do what we normally do first before we before we jump into some of those companies, and um, we're gonna look at how the markets went overall for the week. Of course, as we always do at, at the top of this show. Well, the ASX 200 was unfortunately down this week. It was down 0.6%. So, not the greatest week there. Of course, market performance was not nearly as much of an issue in the US. The S&P 500 was up 3.26%. The NASDAQ was pretty much the same. It was up 3.36%. So as you can see, the sort of the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, uh, they've actually also notched record highs. So they're very much defiant to the uh, economy on the, on the ground. I think I was listening to the boys at the Money Cafe and I can't remember whether it was Alan or James who made the point about how the global share market indice or index, which... I think they're referring to the Miski World Index, which is basically a basically a share market index of all the major developed markets together. So, you know, they're throwing like the US, Canada, Australia, a bunch of European nations, Hong Kong, Japan, etc. You could go on. But there's a bunch, there's sort of sort of, I guess, the the global aggregate of these developed nations. And and that index is also now recovered the losses that it sort of had for the year. Back to and it's back to sort of where it was pre-COVID, but this is purely a US thing, as in it's the US market that's driving that overall global index um, back up. So it's really just the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq, and then really it's just certain big tech stocks that are doing this. So it's like Facebook and it's Apple and it's Amazon and it's Netflix and it's Google and it's Microsoft and it's Tesla and it's all that stuff. Actually, on both of those, I think Apple and Tesla are doing stock splits over the next couple of days, or it should be going online next week. So look out for that one. But this is kind of what's driving up heaps, you know, the overall market performance, especially in the US. So when I talk about how the US have had such a good week, it's kind of down to a lot of those sort of big, big boys in the market. And if you sort of remove the US from the sort of global index, it's not nearly as 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 good looking like so the the rest of the world is not really charting the same kind of course as as the u.s indices so i found that pretty interesting all right so as i alluded to sort of in the intro one of the ones one of the companies i was going to speak about in this episode is points bet 
and it was a big one. Friday was a really big one for points bet shareholders. If I mean, if you're not ahead on your investment in that company, then I'm sure you are after all that. But if for anyone who's a bit uninitiated, so points bet is an online bookie. So I guess kind of similar to uh, you know the million of other betting app options we have here in Australia, like Sportsbet and you know, Unibet, Ladbrokes, Neds, all that kind of stuff. So PointsBet does the same thing. It trades publicly on the ASX under ticker code PBH. And I guess a big part of the sort of PointsBet strategy or their, their sort of game is is breaking in uh, to the US market. So they're very heavily focused on the sort of opportunities over there. Of course, as you can rightly imagine, being a much bigger bigger market than here in Australia. And so the frenzy that sort of took over the market on Friday just passed was due to this massive news that PointsBet themselves have actually signed a deal with NBC Universal uh, and they're actually going to become the official sports bet- betting partner of NBC Sports in the US, which I believe, yeah, it's a five-year deal that they've signed or five-year partnership that they've signed there with NBC. And so I guess the... I guess investors would have definitely seen that as a very solid step forward into the US market by points back. Points bet and the backing of someone, uh, an entity as big as NBC is is a very big deal. In fact, NBC themselves as part of that deal have actually taken a significant investment chunk themselves in points bet holdings. So they've actually taken out a 4.9% stake in the company themselves. So very game-changing. I mean, you know, if you think about it, in the same way that Sportsbet is the official, is, is Sportsbet the official partner of the NRL? I don't really know. I don't watch the, I don't watch rugby league, right? But basically, you know how when you become an official partner of a sport or, or a TV channel, it's really good because you get all the placement, you know, at the right time when there's sort of eyeballs on the screen. You know how they do stuff like it'll be like pre-match and they'll say, let's cross to old mate from Sportsbet to hear about some of the things to watch for in the Melbourne Storm squad, but you know, really it's just a cross promotion to make you put another 50 on the storm to get up. So that's kind of like what they're going for here. So they'll be a they'll be a, an official partner for NBC over the next five years uh, for sport on that channel. And so going back to sort of points spent specifically, so in terms of how big news this is in terms of for the share price, so on Thursday before the news came out, they, they closed I think around the $7.50 mark uh, per share and then by the end of Friday they were $14 a share so they almost doubled in price so that news sort of came out sort of early morning on Friday so I don't want to sort of also gloss over the fact that their announcement on Friday was also a sort of part of a broader announcement of their full financial year 20 results which they posted all at the same time although obviously the focus was on this huge NBC deal and so yes there was some good stuff so their revenues up 193% across financial year period but it's also good to sort of highlight some of the probably some of the not great stuff although it's not this stuff's not that surprising i'm, I'm going to take this little bit here from uh, rask media website who reported on the results so despite the increase in revenue points bet extended its losses after heavily invested across marketing and employees and technology to support that growth so total expenses jumped by 68 percent and this is driven by a doubling of employee benefit expenses and a 42 42% increase in marketing spend. So that I mean, that's not too surprising. This is a company that's in a growth phase, so they're going to be 
spending a lot of money on those kind of things is, and and in terms of marketing so they they noted there that they've had a big increase in in marketing spend over the financial year so as part of this deal with NBC PointsBet themselves have committed to and this is in US dollars 393 million dollars in marketing spend over the 5 year period of that partnership and so to give you an idea of how big that is, in just the, the financial year just ended, they spent $35 million on marketing. So they are really, really ramping it up in that department. And that probably also has a lot to do with why they also announced a $300 million capital raising as well on Friday because they might need some extra money to do some of those extra marketing spends. So the details aren't clear on a cap raise. It was kind of more of a, we intend to do this, guys, so look out for it in the in the next week or so. Um, but that's something that they're also going to be going through. But overall, a pretty good result for for holders. There was obviously some of those increase in, in expenses and marketing spend. But I think if you're backing points bet, you're kind of backing their expansion into the US and they can sort of take hold there and, and uh, sort of bolster their customer base across the pond. Let's talk about another company having a cracker of a week and that was buy now, pay later firm, Zipco, kind of like that. It's it's very much sort of that company now that people talk about as if you know if you've missed the afterpay train, maybe Zip's the one to think about. Big movements this week for them. Of course, they did report their full financial year results, which saw some really good numbers. So some of these they had an eighty-seven percent jump in transaction volume over the fin year. So so transaction volume in under the actual Zip platform. Their revenues up by. 91% their chief exec sort of spoke about how positive they are on the future even though there's obviously there's this sort of economic situation that's not as good but it's but the economic situation has been a good thing for e-commerce which plays well into sort of buy now pay laters as well as there's still a just still an overall backdrop of sort of declining consumer favorability towards credit cards so Especially among uh, younger consumers, they don't, they don't. The trend is that they don't particularly like the idea of credit cards, and they much prefer the idea of buy now, pay later. And the recent news, which we talked about on this podcast, is tailwinds off the back of their acquisition of US-based QuadPay, which will continue to drive further revenue for Zip and sort of bolster their customer numbers up as well. But this is still a growing business, so the bottom line is not in the green just yet. So their loss before tax has gone up to about $20 million. Maybe some other not so good numbers to look at. Their bad debt expense went to $53.6 million. So that's where they've sort of, they a company like that will, and after paying all that, do the same thing, but they put money aside to sort of cover themselves based on their analysis of potential bad debts that are gonna come up, especially because of the COVID crisis. The banks do the same thing, you know, when they're thinking about you know, the amount of mortgages that might perhaps go bad during this kind of time. But they have said, so Zip themselves have said that, you know, they've tightened credit standards since COVID began. Of course, obviously trying to mitigate any potential further losses due to the sort of economic environment. But but really the big news this week in terms of Zip was not so much about their financial year results, but on Wednesday, they announced a partnership. It's It's very much the week of, announcing partnerships but zip zip have got a partnership with ebay and i guess the launch of i guess you would say a new pillar of their company which would be called zip business now the share price surged 
like just over 30 percent that day i don't think it closed that high but it surged on that news by about 30 percent so certainly received well across the market and i'm just going to take this little bit of info here from an ig markets article from uh, wednesday by shane walton so it says the zip business platform is aimed at giving merchants on ebay australia access to flexible lines of credit which the company said those you know those businesses can use it everything from sort of marketing expenses or inventory purchases and cash flow management so it's actually a platform for the businesses on ebay to sort of access those kind of uh, zip lines of credit there in a, in a very different way to say accessing uh, credit from say the bank but this is um that's a little bit of insight of why zip was going nuts this week big advances on their share price not quite points bet nbc partnership advances but big nonetheless i might talk now about maybe some of the not so great let's talk about some of the ugly and i don't think <laughs> i think not that anyone expected much good news here in this department but I read into O Media's financial year results, which came to the market this week as well. And O Media is a very big Australian advertising media business. You very much, if you don't recognise the name, you'd see their logo on billboards or, or things like bus stops. It's kind of it's what they call out of home advertising. So they sell the real estate that they own, like on these billboards, to companies wanting to advertise in these spots. And now this is an industry that's very much under pressure anyway, because businesses or companies are slashing marketing budgets and they generally cut back on those kind of things during sort of tougher times and although thinking about it though these businesses even if they weren't going through the time just based on what COVID has done they're probably less inclined to spend money through O media assets those out-of-home assets because you know I'm, I'm guessing that yeah, someone like O Media, they're selling how many people might see like a bus stop ad or, or a billboard, right? And I just imagine that that kind of traffic, whether pedestrian or, or car traffic, has very much pulled back. Or well, we've even talked about it, like Transurban, like the, the toll operator, they saw huge pullbacks on the amount of traffic going through their toll roads. So they can't sell as much advertising because of the fact that you know, that traffic has pulled back, especially in CBD areas where people usually work because people are, are working from home. But to put, I guess, some perspective on, I guess, some numbers on how bad the year was for O, they went from, so last financial year, they actually posted a profit of just over, I think it was just over $600 million. This financial year, they've posted a loss of $27.5 million. So the uh, the tables have definitely swung in the other direction for O Media. I'm not going to stick on this one for too long. It, it's not, I brought it up because I thought it was interesting because to see how the landscape has impacted some companies compared to others. It's not really the kind of business I look at from an investing point of view. It still, it still has a fair bit of debt. And I think the sort of headwinds from like a broader business operating environment aren't favorable for a business like this. So yeah, not, not my kind of business, but interesting nonetheless. I'm going to talk about another company that's or at least another story that's somewhat not so great but in a very different very different context to O Media and this one's Nanosonics and I say it's different because I actually would be happy to own Nanosonics shares if I'm thinking about it from like a long-term investment point of view because they're actually a pretty good company but not every healthcare stock 
has done well during, even though some have done very well off the back of COVID-19, basically because of where they're placed in the healthcare industry and how they can help out, i.e. like with the res meds of the world. Uh, Nanosonics has not. So if you're not aware of Nanosonics, so they are traded on the ASX, probably what they're sort of known for is they create this kind of sterilization machine. So almost like the size of like a small, like a microwave or like a small oven for hospitals to use these sterilization machines. Like their most popular one that they do is, is it, it's focused on sterilizing ultrasound probes and materials that are used in hospitals. And it's kind of strange they can do that without actually using chemicals and all this kind of stuff. So that's kind of what nanosonics do. It was overall a pretty, like it was overall a good year, but what COVID's done to them is unfortunately what their business has sort of had to take a step back because, you know, they rely on sales reps getting into, you know, US hospitals and all this stuff to sell their devices. And that's not really something that those US hospitals had on their priority list this year. So I guess the interesting thing I hear I saw from the AFR was the company's revenue was up 26% for the first three quarters of the 2020 financial year, but obviously in that final quarter, it pulled back significantly. So overall, their revenue was still up for the year, but it sort of definitely started to pull back. Uh, and that's because, you know, those kind of sales reps of theirs actually struggled to get into the hospitals in the in the middle of the pandemic, which is understandable, of course. That's the kind of story there of Nanosonics. I think if I was a Nanosonics shareholder, and this is of course, general advice, as I always say at the top of the show, so don't, don't base your life savings on what I'm about to say. But if I was a shareholder of Nanosonics right now, I don't think I'd be too worried if my if my, if my my long-term horizon, like over the next sort of five, six, seven years, holding this company, I still think is, is, is a good idea, even though they trade, they trade at a pretty high valuation at the moment, but that's because they're sort of pricing in that, that growth there. As the sort of CEO said, it, it's still likely be maybe a little bit of a rough year because you know we don't know exactly how COVID's going to continue to play out in the US let alone the world so that could still impact sort of sales of those of their devices but I think for the long term the fact that they were actually on track to you know deliver a really good year but COVID sort of put a dampener on that I think obviously their strategy is working so I think you've got a pretty strong company there it's just a it's just sort of factoring in how much COVID will continue to impact their their business and watching that in terms of how that's going to keep playing out over the long term. Because I think, again, over the long term, this is a very good company, uh, but they've just had that sort of setback with, with COVID. So I wouldn't be too worried. Again, general advice only, put that clause on everything. But yeah, that's Nanosonics. If you haven't heard about them, maybe throw them on your watch list, keep an eye on them because they're a pretty good business. Well, that's all I have time for this week. And it feels weird. I only got to about four different companies. There's so much. I mean, talk about anything. It's talk about Fortescue, just smashing that out of the park and paying really high dividends <laughs> amongst, amongst a uh, wave of companies that are really not paying dividends or slash their dividends at the moment. But hope you enjoyed the show. Tell your friends about it if you think they'd be interested in the Market Pulse podcast. Shoot us a question as always, marketpulsepodcast at gmail.com. My name is Dion. This has been episode 26. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week. Cheers. Cheers.